settling in for a um, short and sweet one this evening. Welcome to Under Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the internet's finest Argentine football podcast. This is Hand of Pod, and I'm your host, Sam Kelly. I'm joined this week by just the one person, it's English Dan. Hello and welcome. I'll do my best to make sure you don't get bored of our voices, but I don't promise anything. No, indeed. Um, fingers crossed. Fingers and, crossed, yeah. Uh, we yeah have, we'll see what we can do. We have at least not got all that much to talk about this week, because, of course, there was no domestic football. And there, whilst there is domestic football this coming weekend, there's not very much of it. Um, first of all, a note from our sponsors. We're sponsored by the Argentina Independent. They pay for our Fernet and for our Coke, which we're drinking. You can just about hear the ice rattling around in Dan's uh, glass mm. there as he takes a sip. Very nice it is too. The Argentina Independent are a fine source of English language news and current affairs and um, more personally, perhaps, of things like photographic essays and cultural pieces and historical articles and stuff about Argentina and the rest of Latin America as well. It's a fascinating website and you can read it free of charge on argentinaindependent.com or follow them on Twitter at Argentina Indie. We thank them very much indeed for their support. Um, And now, a quick perusal of the results since we last recorded. Argentina versus Brazil was uh, initially postponed on Thursday due to torrential rain and then uh, got played on Friday and ended in a 1-1 draw. And yesterday afternoon in Barranquilla, Argentina visited Colombia and they got a 1-0 victory. Um, That's it, isn't it? I think we've got a little bit more to talk about than that, but those are the results, yeah. Indeed. We possibly might mention a couple of the uh, bigger stories from the lower divisions a little later as well, since we've actually got time to this weekend. And and I think we're we're familiar with at least a couple of headlines. There were one or two uh, slightly suspicious... Uh, results apparently Um, but uh, in the main we're going to talk about the national team so let's get stuck straight in much 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 better performances than at the beginning of last month against Ecuador and Paraguay much much better and I think even better than a lot of us expected I know we're never going to get it right because before the first two games we were talking all pretty positively ah yeah Ecuador they're going to run them over Paraguay is going to be a bit more difficult but yeah it's an easy win and they ended up with one point and no goals. This time we were pretty pessimistic, I've got to say, with, with Vickery the other week. And I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, especially in the Colombia game, I think, with Brazil. If, if we start with Brazil in chronological order. Um, it wasn't a great performance, but they at least put in 45 minutes, which I was pretty impressed by the, the first half. And they... Uh, Brazil came back with a draw basically because Argentina took their foot off the accelerator I think after half time and it was a pretty sloppy goal to, um, to concede and I think that was after if I remember correctly Everbaniga who overall was one of the more impressive players I was very very happy with, with his performances over the two games he, he hit the post or the bar so that 
was definitely two points lost for Argentina, mm. um, especially against uh, Dunga Brazil, which is always difficult, and I think it's probably the worst Brazil we've seen for, for quite some time. Yeah, and um, the abiding memory from sort of being up in the stands, I was with uh, an, uh, an English friend. Because talking about this if you went to the game. Well, sure. indeed, yeah, no, I wanted to do my impressions <laughs> first, but uh, yes, yes, I, I, was, I was there with an English friend and uh, an American friend. The American might indeed be listening, so hello, Robin, hello, Jason. Um, J- Jason uh, is, is the American, he's um, been to a few football matches, but he's less familiar with the genre, let's say, than, than Rob and I were. And so um, the, the point that, that seemed to me to stand out, and it was, funnily enough, it was something that, that uh, we were talking about with Tim in last week's episode, was the decision to uh, initially to have Neymar out on the, on the left wing to obviously fly at, at what was perceived as Argentina's weak spot, which was going to be Facundo Roncaglia playing at right back. Um, and for the most part, Argentina dealt very well with that, largely by getting Lucas Biglia to move across a little bit and to, to protect Roncaglia from midfield and by getting Angel Di Maria to drop back. I mean, the formation looked on paper like a 4-3-3, and in fact it turned out with, with Di Maria and Lavezzi dropping off so much, it was like a 4-5-1 really when Argentina didn't have the ball, and I thought it worked very well. And um, Yeah, I think the key as well... Uh, for the first half, at least in the second half, they didn't do it so much. And uh, Scheib was there was a real commitment to what Martinez wanted to do for his whole time in the national team, which is this plan of pressing really high at the field from uh, the opposition third onwards. And in fact, that's, what, that's where the the goal came from with mm. Banega picking up a, a loose ball after Argentine pressure and just really, really getting the ball back up there. Uh, so that was really good to see. It's something that Argentina have kind of uh, kind of threatened to do, played around with doing, but have never really carried it out on a, on a systemized on a systemized level. So that no. was encouraging, and a shame it didn't last the whole ninety minutes. Yeah, and, and the real the, the turning point was immediately after Banega hit the post early in the second half when um, Douglas Costa came on and Neymar moved into the middle obviously given kind of more of a free role and, and, and was dropping off and finding pockets of space, one of those pockets which which he found for a, for that raking crossfield ball to, to Danny Alves who then crossed it over and Douglas Costa pick, pops up at the back post with the header which hit the crossbar, um, it's true, but then which bounced back and, and formed the uh, the chance which uh, Lucas, Lucas Lima. Lima, thank you, finished off. Um, and it was just kind of when Costa got, w- was introduced, we sort of said to Jason, this is probably what's going to happen. You know, Neymar's going to go through the middle, and we're going to see a little more movement, and they're going to try and pull Argentina's defence, which up until that point have been pretty solid. Mm. Uh, they, they're going to try and pull them out, um, and it's what happened. And okay, Argentina after that sort of settled back down, and, and I think largely got back on top, not to the same degree as in the first half. Um, yeah, more than anything, but they were still were completely happy with the point. Yes, precisely. Yeah, um, but you just kind of got the sense that Martino had got the better of the 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 strategies at kickoff, but that then Dunga had been had been more able to to change things around during the match and to swing things back Brazil's way and and get that that vital goal. Mm. Um, and it was something as well that I thought was echoed yesterday against Colombia, mm. where Argentina were fantastic in the first half. We knew that it was going to be difficult. They'd had a day less to prepare, obviously because of the postponement uh, and the fact they had to play on Friday against Brazil rather than Thursday. Uh, and they were playing in Barranquilla, where it was, I don't think it, it was as hot as people were expecting it to be. 
wasn't no, as hot the as rain kind of took the edge yeah. off it. And but obviously, in fact, the they were talking about postponing it as well at one point oh, really? for, uh, for a lightning storm. Yeah, which uh, well, thankfully didn't materialise. I, I literally got back in as they were kicking off, so I, I missed all of the pre-match talk. Uh, but the humidity was was ob- is obviously the thing when when they play it. That's precisely why Colombia decided to play about Rankisha. Um, and it was fairly obvious then that Argentina's players were going to flag and that even like-for-like substitutions mm. were going to be useful for them in the second half, e- even if Martino perhaps could have been criticised for making purely like-for-like substitutions against Brazil a few days previously. <laughs> and he still didn't do them then. I think it was the 71st minute was the first change. Mm. The second one came in about the 80th, and that was due to uh, Gabriel Mercado's injury. Um, it just seemed a bit... you know, I think Martino... He's obviously finding, as you say, he's finding his way there. The team is starting to look more like his team now, definitely after these two matches. And at the end of the day, it's the results that, that really matter. Um, as as our, my doorman put it to me, who uh, you saw on your way up here, uh, put it to me about an hour ago when I came in. He said, you know, the, the thing that matters at this point is, is, is the results. And that's true. Um, and we're getting closer to Martino's vision. I'd like to see him be a little more proactive in the second half, a little more proactive at making changes. This, for me, is... A big problem I have with Martino, who, I know it's very fashionable to criticise him, and I'll criticise him, but I'll try and be fair about it. One weakness he does have, and which we've seen on, on multiple occasions, in club, in international teams, is, is his squad, squad management. He's not a good um, manager of his resources, either during the 90 minutes or over the course of a season. I think you'll remember... It was possibly 2012 when Newells went very close to to the title but ran out of steam because basically the players were absolutely fucked. They couldn't they couldn't run anymore. And a similar thing happened with with his season in Barcelona as well. In the first half of the season, a little bit more, they they played very well. But in the last three months, everything just fell to pieces because he plays a high intensity game and he doesn't use the squad intelligently enough to make sure everyone's got the legs to do it. Mm. And obviously that's over a season, but you can definitely see it in in a single game as well. I think the, the choice to bring on Gaetan uh, against Brazil was was an odd one. He really didn't contribute anything and you know he wasn't someone who's was going to give you an extra attacking thrust to, to kill the game off, nor would he kind of solidify the midfield he was really kind of a nothing sub as you say like for like that. some of this it has to be said and, and has to be conceded to Martino is because of the injuries obviously that Argentina had of course yeah obviously, we have to take into account Messi and for all of this uh, Messi was out a word on yeah. Zavaleta and Garay who aren't you know headline names but arguably uh, even more important to the squad than, than them two uh, yeah. if we're talking about defence this round of course, um, yeah. I mean, if Messi and Aguero had been starting, then presumably it would have been Higuain replacing Aguero, mm-hmm. possibly, if you do, even if you're doing like for like subs. And there, straight away, you've got perhaps a little bit more. I'm not going to say that Pablo Dybala didn't deserve to replace Higuain, mm. but you've got a bit more experience coming in and perhaps a bit more of an immediate goal threat. Although it must be said that Dybala was slightly unfortunate not to score, particularly against mm. Colombia um, on Tuesday, when indeed he did score. Mm. Uh, and I think it was a goal. It, I can. No, I'm not blaming the linesman too much because it was an incredibly tight call, but I think it was level. Um, that yeah, being was, said, I don't I think anybody's seen a proper replay with a decent line drawn across the screen yet. And he hit the post as well, right? He, he, yeah, he had a shot deflected onto the post by the goalkeeper That's in the, about the 92nd minute yeah, or something Yeah, very as well. good. Very good, um, say by Afbina. No, 
the game against Colombia, it was a massive result. I made the point today in, um, in uh, the post-match analysis I wrote in, in today's Herald, or yesterday's Herald when you're listening, that he's the second Argentine coach in a row that has gone to Barranquilla, or Barranquilla, sorry, um, basically with his job possibly on the line. Yeah. If you remember back in 2011, Savela was in a similar position, perhaps not a serious because he'd only just taken the job and he had a pretty impressive win against Chile under his belt. Uh, but he needed that win and the, the team came up. They won 2-1 in Barranquilla after going 1-0 down. That was when that was probably the first um, chance we had to see this uh, trident of Aguero, Higuaín and Messi, which mm. later became a fixture of the Sabela era and, and it changed everything. And uh, Definitely for Martino, perhaps it won't have such a lasting impact because he had so many players out and a lot of the players who impressed kind of out of necessity in, in Colombia will go back on the bench. People like Lavesi, who I thought had a very good game over the two games. Yeah. And, and Funes Mori as well for someone who's not had a, a, had a particularly uh, long experience at international level he, he came in and acquitted himself very well he hardly made any horrible cock-ups which is great for Funes Mori there was there was one a possible penalty there, on Taylor well, right a couple the one I was thinking Taylor warned that there was, was one a couple take of minutes his, yeah. take advantage of his weaknesses there was one a couple of minutes before that which um, there was a header which very nearly put Romero in trouble mm. and everybody got on Hunes Mori's back for it on the one hand it was it was quite a howler and it almost resulted in a Colombian goal at nil-nil um, but I would like to see a replay from a different angle so we can get a clear view of whether Romero actually gave him a shout as well mm-hmm. because it was a bit of both of their faults I suspect I'm not trying to uh, wash Funes Mori's hands of it entirely of but uh, he's, he's young and he's learning still. Or he's, he's young at this level. Uh, yeah, from Central Fender as well. 19, yeah. And, um, and yeah, yeah, the, the other one, of course, taking Teo out was uh, when... It has to be said, though, he got there. You know I mean? He, and, <laughs> he and, it was, and it wasn't a nailed on, but I mean, Teo touched it away first because he knew that the contact was coming. And I think perhaps if Teo tried to continue running with it, he, he might have actually got a penalty. Mm. Um but the fact that Funes Mori was able to catch up with him mm. is something that Argentina have been missing in centre-back because he started, I mean, he gave him a 10-yard head start because mm. uh, what happened, uh, Colombia either took a quick free kick or a quick throw-in, I can't remember what to, mm. to get there and, and Funes Mori was more alert to the danger than, uh, than Marcos Rojo was down the left um, and, and got back. So the fact that he was in the vicinity, I'm not convinced that would have been the case if uh, Garay had been playing rather than him. No, you might and, be yeah, right. Partly because Garay's injured, right. obviously, but you know well, what yeah. I mean. <laughs> I'm not sure he's got the same pace. And that's, that, that's something that Argentina have missed at centre-back for some time. Mm. Um, I think against certain opponents, there might well be, particularly if he keeps up his, his current form for Everton, um, there might well be a, a legitimate case to be made for Funev Mori uh, playing ahead of Garay against certain opponents if they've got, mm-hmm. if, if Martino feels that, that he can add something, something extra to that mix. Well, the evidence is um, in the last two games, Funev Mori's taken on two of the... Um, the very best attacking players in the world. They'd definitely be in the top ten, if not the two five, the top five. Uh, Neymar and uh, James, mm. and neither of them really threatened. And it's not all because of Funes Mori. Yeah. It was a collective effort. But if these guys um, are on the pitch and not and not putting you under pressure, that that can only be 
a positive thing for the defence. And possibly the second or third biggest attacking ego in the world as well in, in tail. I mean, Zlatan yes. and probably Cristiano what he, Ronaldo. What he lacks in world-class talent, he has in world-class ego. Indeed, and, and self-belief. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he's been scoring goals in, in Portugal. I've seen his, his name come up a bit. Oh, so I've heard, yes. Yeah. But uh, there's no doubting that his, his opinion of how good he is is much better than how good he is himself. Well, he's even, got God even in his side, he's, quite he? good. he's always got God in his side, apparently. That much is true. About that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> other things that, that impressed me about Argentina in this double header with the midfield have got to be um, the, uh, the the main thing we mentioned. You already mentioned Banega's role in setting up Ezequiel Lavezzi's goal against Brazil. But, of course, Lucas Biglia um, mm. started getting the plaudits for his goal against Colombia after he sort of drove in from midfield and seemed to... Something happened to Angel Di Maria off the ball whilst Biglia was driving he forward. I don't know whether... with uh, the Colombian. Well, I can't yeah. remember who I mean, was, I, I, I didn't stuff. see whether it was uh, to what extent Di Maria got taken out or to what extent he was trying to buy a free kick or something, but uh, given he was off the ball, it was a bit weird. Um, but it, was it was an, almost, in, no, it was it was an Biglia... innocent clash. Both of them, right. I think, the Colombian guy was looking at the ball and going and Di Maria was... Because what I was impressed with when, when Biglia kind of tapped it in I, the initial thought obviously was what nurse Biglia doing that far up mm. and I'm guessing that he'd noticed Di Maria get knocked over mm. and had continued the run that he would therefore have been expecting Di Maria to make but whatever he did uh, he got on the end of it he and he had two very impressive games and the, just the dynamic of the midfield a week ago we were sitting here with Tim talking about how just possibly three deep lying midfielders mm. in uh, Eber Banega, Javier Mascherano and, and Biglia was going to be a little bit of an overkill and yet they turned out to be superb partly because Banega was given much more freedom in both matches than we were expecting he was played further forward yeah he played almost in the role I saw him play the week mm. not this weekend last weekend brilliantly against uh, Ramari um, where he played almost as kind of this the number 10 in a 4-2-3-1 which isn't really a number 10 but it's a yeah. similar kind of role and he did it really well, and he was probably a little bit more withdrawn for Argentina, was, but, but it somewhere was similar. Between, but yeah. And with a very similar kind of freedom. Yeah. And he was, he'd clearly been told, you know, when we've got the ball, you need to break forward. And um, he really enjoyed and it. Did it superbly, yeah. No one can, uh, no one can argue against Banega's passing ability and vision. It's, it's second to none. Problem is, you know, it's Banega, and sometimes he just looks like the worst player in the world. Because he seems like he's not even trying. When he's on form, and luckily he is at the moment, uh, you can see what he does. So ideally we want, or Argentines want, I guess, um, a continuation of, of what we've got. Now, to what extent is that going to be possible when partly Aguero, but particularly Messi, come back in? Because, of course, one of the things that's characterised these two matches has been, as you say, this high-pressing combined with, when, particularly against Brazil, when, when the opposition did get beyond that initial high-pressing stage with Di Maria, who was playing in Messi's, not Messi's role, but Messi's position, uh, that, that kind of wide uh, wide right position cutting inside, um, was was dropping right back, as I mentioned, to, to help out Roncaglia. Now, Messi isn't going to do that. Messi has, uh, first of all, it, it's not how he's ever played, and he's, he's not much good at the defensive side anyway, but also because... Uh, he, well, because he needs longer to, to recover from the sprints and mm-hmm. he's been, we've all read about this, uh, I don't know whether to call it a condition or whatever, but he's, um, his, his physical characteristics. So he's not able to run around as much as Di Maria. No. 
Is there a case... I mean, so first of all, how do you try and keep that up? How, how do you work him back into the team if you're Martino? Because clearly, he's going to be back in the team. Mm. Um, and secondly, is there going to be a case for leaving him out against certain opponents? I don't think so. I don't think you can leave Messi out at any, ca- in, at any time in, in any circumstance if he's fit. It's because if Argentina lose, you get crucified. Look at yeah. Barcelona if they don't put Messi in and... And they lose, which has happened. Uh, it's almost cost cost coaches their jobs. It's just it's impossible to leave out the the best player in the world. Mm. What you can say from a purely tactical point of view is that when Argentina have Di Maria and Lavezzi on the field, it gives them a pace and, and a width which is extremely hard to to deal with. And that's what we saw in in the two games this week. So taking one of those out, obviously changes your system and means you don't play as direct you don't play as quickly you, you change the system it's it's a hard one definitely definitely a difficult case for Martino I think the team definitely did benefit from having a proper centre forward like like Higuain in. just to make this equation a little bit easier mm. you can you can throw in this the big centre forward so I don't know in, it's going to be it's going to be a headache for Martino when, when he comes back after, after the new year and ho- hopefully he'll, he'll have a, a fully fit set of players to choose from. But it, it's good to see at least that with three or four really crucial players out, they can still, they can still compete against the best teams on the continent. Yeah, and, and I suspect that if, if nothing else, the, that balance that they've now found in midfield is going to suit uh, mm. Messi better when he comes in. I mean, we, we talked last week and... Mm. I've in fact mentioned, uh, I don't think you were on when I did, Dan, but uh, mentioned your goal editorial um, of, of a few weeks ago after the last load of, um, of uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for, qualifiers, um, in which you pointed out that, that Messi is getting the ball in much deeper positions um, than, he, than he does for Barcelona. I think that the new midfield balance they've now found is going to help. Obviously, he, he, Martino's got another challenge when uh, when the next qualifier comes around, uh, which is against Chile away, I think it is, isn't it, in March? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of keeping that midfield balance, which is that Javier Mascherano is suspended for that match. And if you bring in Matias Kranemita, who it looks very much like is uh, being groomed as Mascherano's replacement, mm-hmm. and indeed is going to be, of course, an Atletico player by that point, and have been an Atletico player for almost three months by the time those next mm-hmm. qualifiers come around. He's a different kind of player, and he, that's going to affect that how that midfield trio work as well. Yeah, it'll um, be a different dynamic. Yeah, but the key is going to be uh, Banega kind of having the character to go out to Messi, who is Messi, and saying to him, "Look, get your ass out the field. This this area between the centre circle and the penalty area is mine. Don't you worry about it. Just get your ass out the field." If Banega keeps playing on his uh, the level he's his at the moment, then Javier. Pastore might have played his last match for Argentina as well, possibly, given how poor he was a month ago and how good Banega was in essentially replacing Pastore this time around. I don't know about last match. Uh, I said to someone on Twitter that I believe it was Frederick, who often uh, quizzes me on on Argentina subjects, Uh, he asked me if Pastore would be in my ideal Argentina 11 if he was fit, and I said, uh, I'd have Pastore on the bench and to come in for 20 minutes and open a game, he's, he's a great player. I've n- never really been convinced by his ability to do it. 
over the whole 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, for me, he's this kind of impact, impact player. So, no, there's definitely a place for him in the squad. But as a starter, if Baniga keeps fit and, and in form, uh, probably not. I've just realised that I haven't yet brought up the standings um, in the South American qualifying phase now, so I'm going to bring them up quickly. We should probably say some of the other results, right? We, uh, yeah, remember them. Especially well. almost a bloodbath last night, revenge for, for Uruguay. It's an interesting one. Um, so the other results last night were a 3 0 win for Brazil. Um, against Peru in a fairly I was hoping it was going to be a little, didn't bit, watch it little so bit more it, even I, I only watched the first half and then I got a bit bored of, uh, of it um, Uruguay v Chile was good fun though that was um, a tense match obviously the Uruguayans are still very unhappy with Chile for um, uh, the uh, Copa America semi-final mm. wasn't it refereeing um, and they went one up about 20 minutes in through Diego Godin and celebrated as if he'd scored in the 84th minute <laughs> of the very last qualifier to send them to Russia. Um, and Paraguay beat Bolivia 2-1. Um, the other results from last week... I just want to say about the Uruguay match quickly. Yeah. yeah. I didn't watch it particularly attentively because I was kind of sick of football after working all day. But it stood out for me because it on display was... Possibly the best banner I've ever seen. Uh-huh. I don't know if you saw it. It had a picture of um, of a playing card, a Spanish playing card, the, the Two of Cups. And on it was written, uh, Chilean fans, kind of a magician uh, patter mm. style. Chilean fans, of first glance, this might just look like a simple Two of Cups. But this simple Two of Cups is one more cup than you guys have. Uh-huh. Hey, Mamie Chuck. It was quite clever. Uh, the other results last week were a 4-2 win at home uh, for Bolivia against Venezuela, a 2-1 win at home for Ecuador against Uruguay, and a 1-1 draw um, between Chile and Colombia in Santiago. Uh, oh, and then on Friday, there was another game played on Friday as well, which was Peru 1, Paraguay 0. Um, there's one match as well that I missed out from yesterday because it popped up on the FIFA site, which was a 3-1 defeat uh, for Venezuela who were at home to Ecuador so Ecuador got a win on the board there yeah, fourth win in four indeed yes another win uh, because they now have 12 points they managed 25 in getting to Brazil 2014 so they're all they're basically halfway there now um, and top of the group with a oh, perfect right, record that's right Brazil yeah, yeah. Um, so that, uh, Ecuador have won four out of four they're top uh, Uruguay are second with three wins and one defeat from four matches, which considering those were the four matches they had without Luis Suarez in the team, mm-hmm. is really not bad going, and he's going to be back from his suspension uh, for that next match. Brazil are third on goal difference just ahead of Paraguay. They've both got seven points, and Chile are currently fifth on goal difference as well with seven points. Um, but Argentina would leapfrog Chile, obviously, if, if they can beat Chile in the next round. Uh, in March they've got five points Colombia have four Bolivia have three as do Peru and Venezuela I mean as we said wait for the motorbike to go past as we said with Tim last week uh, or or rather as as Tim said to us Venezuela have had a great generation of players who've Mm. just retired and as as I mentioned I I think that the boost that they had with the last qualifying round has got to give them hope of building something for the future with the next generation now but for the moment They've uh, 
they've got that rebuilding still to do because they've so far lost four out of four. They don't have a single point. Although they've had a pretty difficult start to the, t- the tournament. They've been away to Bolivia, which obviously Bolivia might not be the, the best opponents, but away at La Paz is never the easiest. Never. Um, let me see what else they've played so far. If we can, they've had they were away to Brazil. So their, their results in order so far have been a one nil defeat at home to Paraguay, uh, a defeat away to Brazil, a defeat away to Bolivia, and that defeat that I mentioned uh, at home to Ecuador, who were in excellent form. Yeah, looking really good as well. I mean, aside e- from the results, excellent form. Excellent. Um, it turns out Ecuador aren't rubbish at sea level anymore as well, which is a bit of a mm. surprise. I mean, the, the other thing I was going to say was that Ecuador's form now that we're four matches in, suddenly makes Argentina's defeat on the opening day, I mean, yeah, it's still a defeat in the Monumental in the World Cup qualifiers, which is something that almost never happens to Argentina. So from that point of view, it's still embarrassing for Argentina. But it makes it look a little less embarrassing, perhaps, than it appeared at the time. Possibly. But it also raises the question, if Ecuador are going to take one of these first four places and Uruguay are looking very strong, even without Suarez, Mm. Chile... um, uh, the champions of South America, uh, Paraguay, um, are not going to be easy to beat at any point. Could we potentially think about one of Brazil or Argentina missing a World Cup? Well, I mean, that's the question, isn't it? Or possibly Colombia? Or I think could Brazil could. miss out? It's it's difficult. Obviously. To very, very early to be saying. But. Indeed. So far, Uruguay have had their wins away to Bolivia, mm-hmm. which is impressive, especially by more than one goal. Um, at home to Colombia, admittedly, Colombia have, have fallen off somewhat since last year's World Cup, as anybody who saw the Copa America will be aware. Um, and then, obviously, at home to Chile, in between that, that defeat at altitude to Ecuador. Um, their next match is away to Brazil. So... Just a little bit of an edge in that one. That's going to be Uruguay, again. Uruguay tend to like matches when there's a bit of an edge. Mm-hmm. They also, as we know, like matches um, and are more than happy to go into matches with the aim of just kicking people, as are Dunga's Brazil. Yes. So, on the one hand, if you want to see uh, football in its purest form, Brazil against Uruguay on the 24th of March might not turn <laughs> out to be a replay of the 1950 uh, decisive match in the 1950 World Cup. Um but on the other hand, if you like bloodbaths and uh, if you're into Ultimate Fighting Championship, mm. I would say definitely try and watch that game. Definitely. Um, and then they're at home to Peru, which you would think is going to be a, a win given the, the form that they're in. Argentina's next two games, I've already mentioned the one, um, away to Chile, and then they are at home to Bolivia. So, obviously we're, uh, let's see, March, uh, November, December, January, February. We're, we're four months away from this still. But at this point, presuming that Argentina are going to be closer to full strength, more than anything, presuming that Messi is going to be fit at this stage. How many points do Argentina need to be looking at from those? Four, you'd think? Four at the very least. Yeah. They realistically have to aim at all six. I'd say that. I mean, they need a big away result, another big away result to counteract the mm. the Ecuador loss. So. Yeah. Um, but Bolivia at home is, is one that you very, very much expect Argentina to be winning. We uh, fought that in 2011, and they were held after a horrific mistake by Demichelis. That's very true, yeah. So let's not take anything for granted. That was the match that, the result that caused Maradona to come in, wasn't it? No. Or was that, that was Maradona the already? match after the historic defeat in Venezuela, and before... 
the first Barranquilla. Or oh, sorry, in 2011. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. of the wrong World Cup qualifying uh, championship. Yeah. yeah, well done. Um, I think that that's all we have to say for the moment, yeah. is it not? Unless you have anything else to add on the national team, not? No, I think we've been fairly comprehensive. We should mention that probably a position we didn't go over too much, Sergio Romero probably didn't have the best two games of his career. So I wonder, as he continues being a United substitute I have and he was wobbly throughout the game, are we going to see him still in the driving seat in much? As, as you know and as uh, all Hand of Pod regular listeners will know and as anybody who reads my ESPN columns will know, um, I am both a Manchester United fan, but also, even before he signed, and long before he signed, indeed, have been a, a staunch defender of Romero. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be said that against Brazil, being in the stadium in particular, it was really brought home. And, it, you know, I've been in the stadium for lots of Argentina World Cup qualifiers. I went to, I think, all of them that were held in Buenos Aires during the last World Cup round. Um, his distribution was... Mm. Shocking, especially in the first half. I don't think a single one of his kicks from open play managed to find his target. He constantly was hacking it out for for throw-ins and not even particularly far down the pitch. Um, he's a very good shot stopper. He's a good shot stopper. But the rest is not. He but, doesn't stand out. I mean, he he's gonna. It, I think he's he's gonna continue to be first choice. Um, and for the moment, he's still not. You know, given any clear-cut reason to not be first choice. It's not as if he's been throwing them into his own net. But uh, If that it last one nice. against Colombia had gone in, we might be talking um, about a different situation because yeah. that was True. suicidal. Um, oh, yeah, the one where he went walkies yeah. off down to the left and uh, thought that the ball had gone out for a corner and then yeah. he realised it hadn't, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it ended up being thrashed over the bar, fortunately, for Argentina and um, mm. from, from the edge of the box. Um, but uh, for, for the moment... I'd, 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 I'd continue to keep him there. He's obviously got a strong place in the group um, as, as part of the squad, and that's almost, you know, as we mentioned before the World Cup, I think a couple of us mentioned that that seems to be as important in this squad. Um, and in as, big as tournaments, he has a, a pretty impeccable exactly, record. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he appears, to all intents and purposes, he's a big game player as well. Um, it's it's just a shame he doesn't get to play many games. Yeah. It's tough, it's tough. Mm. I know it's a question that's worth asking. I think it's going to be possibly a question that's going to be more and more frequently asked in four years' time during the next lot of qualifiers when Geronimo Rulli has got four, four and a half seasons under mm. his belt in, in Europe. And then he's going to start banging on the door. And, and you know, as well, because at the moment Rulli is very young for a goalkeeper. Really, Romero's only yeah. 28, 29. I mean, there was a time not very long ago when he was, he'd still no, now be considered less. a baby for, for a goalkeeper. I think even less. You reckon? He was, well, he was under 20 in, in 2007. So twenty-seven, he must be. But twenty, but under twenties can be uh, people. He's twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Un- under twenties can yeah. play in the corresponding World Cup as long yeah. as they were under the age when they were at the beginning yeah. of the qualifying campaign or something. I think. But yeah, he's, he's going to be twenty-nine in February, um, which is still very young for a, uh, well, not very young, but it's still young for a goalkeeper. Yeah, in let's spite take of the fact account, he's, he's been... already got the Argentine national caps yeah. record for a goalkeeper, and he's been Argentina's number one for six years yeah. since he was twenty-two. So. No, I don't think it's particularly early to to give Rulli a chance. I, I think he deserves it, even if if it's for friendlies. Um, I always get the feeling with the Argentine goalkeeper position, each coach has sort of been afraid to try someone new if mm. they hadn't had to. 
through injury or suspension. Because uh, they just don't want the headache. As long as Romero doesn't do anything outrageously bad, yeah. he can play, it's fine, he's a good lad, and, and he's in there. If that's, whether that's good enough for, for the top levels, kind of this, you know, let's not try anyone else in case they're better than him. I don't know. That will be my my question, my open question. Yeah. Um, Ruli, I've just looked up, and he's 23 and a half at the moment. So the start of the next World Cup qualifying campaign, I think, is going to be the point where this question begins to be asked hard and fast. I mean, if it hasn't already. Mm. But, I mean, certainly, you know, then he's going to be 27, which, mm. again, by goalkeeping standards, is, is still young. Um, he's going to have a lot of time ahead of him still after um, if... And when we'll see. Uh, the problem Romero is starts Romero's never going to get injured because he never plays. I've got the feeling in the you know when he's not on international duty, basically yeah. he sits at home wrapped in cotton wool, just waiting. Like, I'm not going to get injured. I'm not going to get injured. Gently stretching himself. Yeah. Um, Listen, kind of a, in a bubble, I reckon. Indeed. Um, on that note, I think that we're going to go now, and I'm going to refill uh, my glass, and uh, if Dan's prepared to down the little bit that he's got left I'll refill his as well and we will come back and we will give you a very brief overview of some of the stuff that's happened in the lower divisions because of course the um, the lower divisions are all starting to come to a conclusion now or at least something of a conclusion and we're also going to then talk about the upcoming days in the Primera which involve the Pre Libertadores and the Pre Sudamericana which are the um, playoff competitions to get into said tournaments basically so don't go away looking through to see whether we can work out how on earth the promotion works from the Torneo Federal A. Our conclusion is we need much more for it. Uh, yes, and possibly at least one extra person whose name may or may not be gone, uh, Gustavo, um, to, to talk us through it. So we're not going to go into the Federal A in too much detail, apart from to say that Tacheres de Cordoba are up, which you probably already knew if you follow the Argentine. And we think possibly Juventud Antoniana might have gone up. Yes. For being top of the table. Perhaps. We think. Um, so, in case you're wondering, the Federal A is the uh, basically the third division for teams who aren't in and around Greater Buenos Aires. Or I mean, that's a vastly simplified, or Rosario, yeah, uh, vastly simplified version of what it actually is, but essentially it's that. Um, the Primera B, which is the third division for the teams who are in and around Buenos Aires and Rosario, um, the playoffs for that have already begun. They started this afternoon on Wednesday at 5pm um, and so far in the quarterfinals um, Barracas Central nil Deportivo Morón 2 and Estudiantes de Buenos Aires 2 Platense nil are the mm. results we've had so far so they both go through to the semis um, Defensores de Bel- uh, that's Morón and Estudiantes Defensores de Belgrano and Tristan Suárez and Atlanta against Almagro have both just kicked off literally. it's worth keeping an eye on one of our contributors Twitters because we do have a special correspondent in mm. Villa Crespo we do uh, Gustavo who I've already mentioned um, is he's on Twitter at Guzma but doesn't tend to tweet much in English about that but he also owns uh, or runs an English language Argentine lower division blog 
Would know. you believe? Um, which is called. No. Oh, you didn't. You, you've not seen it. I think no, it's called the um, the back four or oh god, I better check this somewhere. Have a look, see if he's put anything. Ah, up funnily against. enough, he's just tweeted something. So there fingers crossed, he's got it in his bio. Let me just bring something up here. What's he saying? Quatratras is the name of the uh, thing, and it's in English, basically about the Primera B, uh, which is the, as we say, third division for teams in and around Buenos Aires. Um, so, check that. Is, is what we would say and we are going to check it now uh, and yes all manner of things uh, none of which are immediate ah here we go Juventud Unida La Madrid went down to Primera Day which is the 5th division and so on and so forth and uh, what's the word from Villacrepo can we read the, the tweet he's just put up what he's just posted on his own account is that he is going to see Atlanta ah there we go which I think is probably the least surprising thing ever partly because he told us he wasn't going to be available for this recording because <laughs> of that match um, so Gustavo if you are listening then we hope it goes well for or we hope it's gone well for you by the time you hear this mm-hmm. um, so the Primera B the team who we already knew were up from the league table is uh, Brun the Adroge yes Brun or Brown people say Brun Brun yeah, yeah. Uh, who are named after General William Brown or Guillermo Brown as he's known in South America uh, a Welshman who is one of the heroes of South American independence because... I always thought he was Irish huh? oh sorry you're right of course he's Irish huh. I'm, I'm yeah. getting mine uh, Celtic nationality is confused. <laughs> um, and in the Nacional B, which is the second division, uh, the semi-finals of the championship, uh, of the championship at the promotion playoffs, begin on Thursday at seven o'clock. Instituto de Cordoba against Patronato de Paraná and Santa Marina de Tandil. That's Club and Library Santa Marina de Tandil mm-hmm. against Ferrocarril Oeste. Go on the bookworms. Um, but surely we want Ferro to, to win, it's, don't we? I mean, Australian dance when... legacy and all that. It's a dilemma for me because it's the bookworms against the railwomen. Yeah. The green railwomen. It's it's tough. I think, yeah, um, um, I'll lean towards fair, but it is against the team with the best name in, in the whole of the league. Indeed. So it's tough. Uh, so obviously Atletico Tucumán are already up, as we mentioned last week uh, or the week before, uh, and those four teams are now going into the semi-finals. And the other playoffs that we have, as I mentioned before the break... Uh, are the Primera División playoffs for a spot in the Copa Libertadores one spot so we'll go through that one first because it's the really easy one or the comparatively easy one to explain um, the semi-finals are one leg and I, this appears to be the case all the way down all the divisions in all the playoffs one leg in the stadium of the higher placed team in the league so on Thursday both at half past nine um, we're going to have Oh, I've only just realised that. Oh no, they're sorry, they're twenty-four hours apart. Yes, I was going to. Otherwise, that would have been a hell of a day to be a policeman in Avesha. No, Independiente against Belgrano on Thursday and Racing against Estudiantes on Friday night. Um, the winners of those matches will then go into a two-legged final mm. because South America um, to decide a place in the Copa Libertadores next year. The losers of the two semi-finals go into the Ligisha, the, the, the playoff system for a place in the Sudamericana as well. And the losers of the final go straight into the Sudamericana next year, I think, don't they? Uh, or, I don't know. You're, sorry, the, you're fact, the expert on this. It might be that uh, the, losers of, the losers of the final go straight into one of the Sudamericana finals uh, because the pre-Sudamericana structure... Um, the, the fixtures are as follows. Tomorrow at 7 is Tigre... Uh, that's Thursday, sorry. At 7 is Tigre against Colón. 
Um, and these are two-legged for some reason, even though the Libertadores wants to just one leg. So Tigre against Colón, Gimnasia against San Martín de San Juan, Unión against Aldo Civi, Quilmes against Olimpo, Lanús against Newells, and Banfield against Argentinos Juniors. I thought these were all one leg, but it says here Partido de Ida for all of them, so I'm guessing they're two-legged. Um, so the losers of the two semi-finals of the Libertadores one then also go into the following round, um, and I'm pretty sure, which is going to be the finals, I think, because they're playing for, let's see, one, two... Three, four, five. Yeah, so they're playing for, for four places in total, so with the losers of the two semis. Uh, that's another final. So these are the semi-finals that I've just read out, and then these teams will go into finals, even though there are going to be four of the finals. Um, again, with the higher-placed team getting home advantage in the second leg, I think it is. Um, so there we go. Mm. It's not at all confusing. Um, no, not at all. I'm just looking forward on Friday to the first Melita derby that we've had since Diego came back to Argentina. Uh, on Friday? Yeah. Racing against Estudiantes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was thinking uh, Independiente because of Gabriel. No, but no, no. no, I'm being silly. Yeah, of course. It's a different Melita. Um, no, it's the same Melita. It's just joined clubs and I've forgotten about a it. A different Melita. Uh, yeah. Kind of Melita derby. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I was getting very confused. I thought it was Independiente against yeah. the Estudiantes <laughs> for some reason, and uh, it was tomorrow night. Yeah. I'm guessing it's not going to be quite as combative as, as other Melita derbies we've seen over the years, because when one was playing for Racing and one was playing for Independiente, when they were both kids, they used to kill each other. Mm. I don't know if you've ever heard about that, Sam. They I have, yeah. Almost came to blows on the pitch, and and I believe it was Diego who said to Gabriel, La concha de tu madre. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, see, I, I heard it was Hijo de Puta. But, uh, Hijo de Puta, la conchita. Either way, either you get way the gist. Yeah. But either way, he's talking about his own mum, um, which is lovely, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, thoughts ahead of these playoffs, Dan? How optimistic? I guess the simplest question to ask you, particularly as you support mm. one of the teams in the Libertadores one, is how optimistic are you that it's going to be Racing filling that remaining Copa Libertadores spot next year? I think the semi the semifinal against Estudiantes they got to win it. they got home advantage. They've got a pretty complete squad. There's a couple of doubts about uh, Gustavo Bolt, who I think he's had a, a dicky tummy. He's had gastroenteritis. Mm. Uh, so, but that shouldn't keep him out uh, against Estudiantes, who have looked better, I think, over, over the last few weeks, but not exactly well-beaten. Um, You've got, you got to go for the win. No doubt about it. Uh, will that go to penalties after 90 minutes or are they doing higher place team or some such madness penalties right god did you have to ask that question let's say penalties I'm pretty sure it's going to be penalties Um, let's see whether there's anything on the AFA website anyway while you look so I'm hoping obviously hoping and fingers crossed expecting a win at home against Estudiantes the big one's going to be if Independiente also follow the the form book and, and get into the final as well because that would mean a two-legged playoff and then Derby which is amazing but also terrifying absolutely terrifying uh, I'm really just hoping Belgrano can make it a, a Celeste swoop mm. and get them bastards out of it so you wouldn't want if that happens uh, then it's going to be the higher place team after the home advantage in the second leg which 
is going to be Racing, assuming they made the final again, regardless of who they're playing, because mm. they were of course the highest placed team in in the uh, in, in the playoff. But you wouldn't want it to be Independiente. What? Just the nerves, or you you think Independiente would be favourites for history? Or? History and what happens whenever we cross Colón and, and go to that stadium. It's it's not a happy trip for Racing. You saw um, this season they played twice. It was one nil in in Racing Stadium. It could have been a lot more, but. Uh, when we went over to to the red side of Avicennia, it was three 0 and and uh, deserved three 0 mm. So that's the problem if you're talking about an aggregate game. Racing just seeing the kind of pieces in in the devilish side of Avicennia. So if you have to go and kind of define a, a two-legged playoff there, I think it would be heart attack inducing, definitely. I'm now attempting to work out... Hang on a second. So, right. I've, first of all, confirmation that the loser of this Copa Libertadores uh, Ligisha um, will go into the Copa Sudamericana 2016. Uh, there'll be, uh, be Argentina 2 in, in the draw. Um, the no, it's got to be penalties, Eric. The winners of the four finals will be the other places, and obviously the, the Argentina one is going to be the winners of the Argentine Super Cup, which is going to be Boca against San Lorenzo, of course. Mm. Um, which is why the Super Cup's being played, in case anybody was wondering why uh, why it's being played still, in spite of the fact that Boca won the double. Um, we're now going through, just give me a second, I need to look through all of the instances here. Here we are. Semi-finals, one match only in the stadium of the team who are best highest up the table. In case of a draw at the end of 90 minutes, uh, it will be a penalty shootout. There we go. And then in the final, it's going to be, as we've said, home and away. The uh, second match will be played in, in the stadium of the higher-placed team. And at the end of the second 90 minutes, if it's a draw, then the... Uh, hang on a second. Yeah. Yeah, if it's a draw, because they always go through this thing of points and then differencing goals in the fixture. Obviously, if it's a draw after two legs, then that's the same. Um, then again, it will be penalty shootout, which mm. can be very interesting if it turns into Racing Independiente <laughs> in El Cilindro. <laughs> Could be fun. And without away goals as well, would you say? Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, no away goals at any stage of this. Um, and yeah, the Sudamericana is, just to confirm, as we were expecting it to be, basically. So the... Um, Losers of the semi-finalists from the Copa Libertadores uh, will will be two of the finalists in in, in the Sudamericana um, playoffs straight into the finals, and then the, four, the winners of the four finals will be the teams who go through. Um, the finals when will they kick off next the Wednesday? Finals are going to be. Hang on a second. Uh, do we have? I don't know if they've announced the dates yet. Have they? They must probably have announced not. No. The dates. Nah, don't worry about it. Then I'm sure we'll know by the time the, the next Sanapol comes along. The, the Libertadores final dates have been announced and those are going to be I think the week of the or the week ending the, the, the Sunday the 6th of December sounds familiar that's the last day that they can have it if any of them have to get, if anything gets delayed or anything and um, as a result there's a match that isn't able to be played on the 6th of December or before uh, it's going to have to be delayed because the um, Futbolistas Agremiados which is the Argentine Footballers Union uh, have mandated Holidays, so the yeah, players yeah. don't play after that. Partly because it, it's it's a safety issue because it gets so hot in in Argentina um, over the summer. So that's the latest date there could be football, which is part of the reason as well that um, 
if River Plate qualify for the Copa Sudamericana final, it's going to be very probably put back until January because they're, they've got to go away to the Club World Cup. Um, yeah. On that note, we shall now get through to some listeners' questions. We've only had a few, so here they are very quickly. First of all, Barney. Uh, Barney H asks, is Eber Banega a sure starter for Argentina once Messi returns next year? Yeah, I think we said if he stays fit and reproduces the same form we've seen in, for Sevilla in, in recent weeks and also for for Argentina over the last two games, he's he's got to be a starter. Got to be over Pastore. Yeah, partly because if anything, he's going to help bring out the best of, um, of Messi. We hope, yeah. In theory, at least, yeah. Uh, El Barbudo asks, do Atlanta have any real chance of getting promoted to Nacional B? Well, definitely, yeah, yeah. You'll know uh, for certain, obviously, by the time this goes online, because mm-hmm. by the time you listen to this answer, we will know whether Atlanta They're in the final or won or lost their semi. So if, <laughs> yeah. if, they, if they've lost, then no, they don't. Um, but if they won their semi-final, then yes, we think they They've do a have a very, very realistic chance. chance. Yeah. Uh, sorry for such a dull answer. And Liam Kelly, who is no relation, says, Happy belated birthday. Thank you very much. Is that for you or for the pod or for me? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, it was Dan's birthday on uh, Saturday, was it? Yeah, uh, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I did send you a text. I hope you yes. got it. Yes, um, thank you. He says, how, Liam asks, how will Atletico Tucumán do next year? And who is going to win the playoffs? I'm rooting for Ferro. So, Atletico Tucumán next year. Who knows? None of us have watched second division this year. <laughs> We've all been too busy. Well, I've been too busy watching the Primera anyway. It's been that's, that's been far too much to watch all of this. Yeah. No, what I've seen from Atletico Tucumán, which has been very sparing, admittedly, because another thing with the um, the thirty team top flight is it's pretty much pushed off the Nacional B from from TV, right? Yeah. There's very few games on, at least in maybe in Deportivo. There's a few more, but. Uh, but on kind of prime time, you used to get a couple of games in. Now it's it's not that common because you just got so many uh, top division games to get through. Yeah, but they got um, a few decent players. They've got the the Ascenso Messi, which who is Leo Rodriguez, I think he's called a, a chubby little number ten who who's a bit of an Atletico star. And for a team like Atletico, it's a big club. No one can deny it's a big club. They've got you know, a stadium of 30,000, 40,000 people and they fill it regularly. Uh, it's definitely on, you know, on the lines of these teams. We talk about um, Belgrano, Talleres in Córdoba, um, Unión Colón in Santa Fe, kind of this uh, level of, of local support. Mm. And if they've got the budget um, to bring some, bring some good players in, then, then they could do well. And they've definitely got the potential there to to do a decent campaign. Much more than that, I can't say. The other thing is that obviously a, a big part of how well they do is is going to be limited to their hopes of survival. And in that respect, there are going to be one or two clubs who are going to have a real relegation battle on their hands next year. Um, Atletico de Rafaela are going to, if anything, find it slightly easier next season than they have this season because they're. they're Dropping off um, a very low scoring points total from the points average. Tigre likewise are going to be slightly boosted. Um, Arsenal are going to drop several places and they're going to be in it a little more. Um, and so next season we're only going to have season under their belts. We're only going to have the transition season and yeah, the and tran- this season the transition the transitional season is going to be uh, one relegation at the end of it. Yeah. Um, no, but I'm saying for the Premier, they're only going to count the 
transition and and 2015. Oh, are they? I'm not masking. No, I think it's going to be from the last the last three years still. Ah, so 2013, 14, so exactly, yeah. 2014, so 13, 14, the 14 transition yeah. and this current championship that's just um, finished. I was going to say if they were just going to take the last two seasons, that would be great for Racing because we'll be top. And it's yes. been a long time since I've seen Racing top of a of a promedio table. Meaningless as it is. Indeed. Um, so that's oh, and Liam also asks, uh, as we said, uh, who will win the playoffs? In Bay Nacional. Let's say Patronato because they were the best apart from Atletico Tucumán in the regular season. I wouldn't bet on Instituto because they have an awful record in playoffs or any high pressure game. Why are Instituto at home there? Oh, that must be two legged then. No? Yeah, possibly. I would have thought it was. Oh, no, it's been randomly drawn by the look of it. That's interesting. Uh, I'm going to go with with Patronato as well, though. Because I mean, over the course of the season, they finished. They, they were in second. They were three points behind first place Atlético Tucumán, and they were 15 points ahead of third place player, uh, uh, third place Ferro. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Patronato must be favourites, having seen absolutely nothing of the second division all season. And um, it would be sort of justice, year. right? I mean, in any other season, they well, yeah, now don't take up. Indeed. Um, that, I think, concludes this week's questions. It does. And I think that concludes this week's podcast. You're not going to well. go for any predictions in the Ligisha? Uh, let's go for a couple of predictions in the Ligisha. I'm not going to put these up on the hand of pod blog because I've not got them written down anywhere. Um, but let's go for an Independiente Racing final. So Independiente Ooh. to win on Thursday, Racing to win um, against the Estudiantes on Friday night in the Libertadores. Um, playoffs and in the Sudamericana Ligisha. I mean, I'm having difficulty justifying very much more than home wins. To be honest, I, Lanús versus Newell's is possibly the match that, that's going to be closest. Let's go for a, a draw after 90 minutes in Lanús Newell's. That's on Monday night. I think you said the same thing in the last game, didn't they? Hate, didn't they meet each other in the last so, fixture? Yeah, uh, the, the last, or the or the last, fixture? last or third last year. They and you said, look, if you recently. don't, wa- if you don't watch one game this week. Don't watch that. No, but that, that, that was your advice. I won't say that this week, partly because there are fewer matches to watch anyway, and partly because that that one actually turned out to be a better match than than I was expecting it to be. But to go through them properly, I will go for Tigre to beat Colón, uh, Gimnasia to beat San Martín, Unión versus Aldo Sevilla. I'm going to go for a draw after 90 minutes. Uh, Quilmes to beat Olimpo at home, Lanús and Newell's draw after 90 minutes, and Banfield to beat Argentinos with something to spare. Banfield, of course. Uh, almost qualified for the Libertadores playoffs and Argentinos just scraped into the Sudamericana playoffs so there are 14 league places between those two clubs um, and that's it I'm not going to predict the lower division ones because I don't know anything about the teams um, Dan, any final thoughts before we leave? No, I think that's fairly comprehensive I'm just really hoping it's not an, a Racing Independiente two-legged final So you're hoping it's Racing Belgrano rather than Independiente obviously well, yeah because um, that would be one way of getting your wish um, no let's not hope <laughs> indeed thank you very much as ever uh, first of all to, to you listeners for, for listening and uh, we're glad that um, just for once we've managed to give you an actually relatively short and sweet one this has been just under an hour I think we're coming in at which is amazing possibly a pod record at least in the last couple of years um, and thank you to the Argentina Independent for providing the alcohol they're a fine source of English language current affairs 
cultural essays, photographical pieces and historical bits and bobs and all kinds of other stuff from Argentina and across Latin America. And you can read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com or follow them on Twitter at Argentina Indy. That's Argentina I-N-D-Y. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at Hand of Pod. Very easy. It's all one word. Um, please do so. And if you've not yet given last week's episode a listen with Tim Vickery, uh, please do, and you can listen back to us and, and see how wrong we were about how Argentina. I don't think we were that. And, uh, I don't think we were that wrong, were we? Um, I didn't mention this in the podcast, but I would, should probably apologise to Roncalia for my vicious criticism of him. Uh, Not just yours, the, in fairness to you. No, prior to the pod, but he 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 dealt with it against. Brazil. He was much better than expected. Much better than expected. As so, indeed was sorry if I couldn't but I'd still rather have Pedro's. On that note, um, we will say goodbye. So it's, first of all, goodbye from him. Goodbye. I'm him. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs> it's a Morecambe and Wise mm. thing. No, <laughs> and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. Morecambe and Wise is a bit before my time, so... Well, I mean, mine as well. Well, yeah.